Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old loan officer from California. I started this podcast back in April 2020. Got furloughed from my job for about three months. And during those three months, I was very honest with myself. I was like, we can either start emotionally eating. We can start suppressing these feelings of not feeling worthy because you've lost this thing that you attach so much of your identity to. Or we could start that podcast that you've always been wanting to start. So I decided to go with that second option and I'm so glad I did. I've interviewed over 130 people since then. It's been incredible. I've got to interview music artists and seven-figure entrepreneurs and just all these incredible people with different stories and different ways of how they got to where they are and just hearing about their journey, hearing about their shit show moments because we all have shit show moments and just learning how to navigate them better and learning how to learn from them and take them and create something magical out of them. And I'm so glad that I get to interview all these incredible people and I am such a big believer that you can radically change your life in a year. You can just radically change your circumstances, where you're at. And I remember being 19 and just trying to get a job and applying to like, I was applying to Ross and like a smoothie bar and like all these places wouldn't take me. And I was like, so offended. I was like, why is no one taking me? And then I finally passed my NMLS test. And then I got a job with a major mortgage company. And I was like, oh, that's why they didn't take me. Cause I was meant to go down and get this job instead of that job. And I went from being 19 with $0 in my bank account and just being so stressed about money and so stressed about like is it gonna come into my life do I what am I gonna do about this to being 20 year old with over 60 grand in savings and I think one of the big changes that I made between those two was even when I had zero in the savings account I still believed that I was abundant I still believed that money was gonna flow into my life I still believed in something that I couldn't see at the time because I knew it was just a matter of time before it was gonna come so I'm such a huge believer and you can radically change your scenario you can step into that next version of you and that next version of you that higher self version of you she's not that far away as you think i think she's just there's just garbage in the way and it's just undercovering that garbage that's in the way of you getting to her and just stepping into that and the next version of you with the next level of results it's something i'm super passionate about and i hope from this podcast that you get to hear these stories and relate with these people and just relate with like not necessarily like just reconnecting to that path of what you want to do and reconnecting to that higher version of you and what you wanted to be when you were younger and what lights you up and what brings you joy so i'm so excited for you guys to hear these episodes would love to connect with you on instagram my instagram's the shit show my 20s dm me and love to have a conversation and feel free to share this with someone you know will love it and you can also leave a review on itunes i would love that Today's guest is Sina. I love chatting with him. He is the founder of a company called Wing. And while he, we go into everything that he's doing with Wing to change the way that we do networking, to make it more sustainable. We go into how he started his software company and how he's able to test an idea out cheaply. What inspired him to start his podcast, The Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast, not falling in love with the idea and how to remove pressure off ourselves. I am so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Sina, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s so far. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. (laughs) Well, firstly, thank you so much, Sophia, for having me on the podcast. It's kind of weird for me because usually like I host my own one. I was like the millennial entrepreneur. So it's kind of weird for me to kind of be a host firstly. But yeah, I guess I've always kind of been fascinated with entrepreneurship. That's kind of like when I've grown up and stuff, always had these like little businesses like in school and stuff like, you know, the guy like selling sweets or like candy in school, right? Like one of those guys. So like fascinated by like human behavior, why people buy things like how people experience problems and that sort of thing. And and so when I went to university or like college, I was like hugely obsessed with that sort of thing. So like started my own business while I was at uni. And when you talk about shit show moments, like I talked to you before, like before we start recording, I had a business idea and like, it was a good idea. Like I can't lie. I thought it was a good idea at the time. It was around like reducing food waste. And so instead of kind of, I, I, won, I won a couple grants for it as well to like test the idea, right? 
But instead of kind of talking to customers, I kind of just built loads of technology. So I built like a, I built a website. I built like the whole backend platform of like how people can like interact with it and all that stuff. And it's like, I spent about three grand, four grand, like just building that just from the, like the grant money. And it was like, also like a lot of time, right? Like I spent a lot of time, like what colors this should be or like what features this should be. And it's like, I spent so much time focusing on that when I should have been focusing on like what actually what actual customers and what actual people wanted when it come when it came to that business. And so that business didn't like fly, um, unfortunately. But I learned a huge lesson of like trying to, I guess, when I come up with a business idea to test it first and to test it as cheaply as possible. So like with Wing, right, like my new business that we'll talk about in a second, I didn't spend that much money like trying to create it. And yeah, like just testing it, like whether that's like speaking to different people or whatever, but like we can talk about that. But yeah, when you talk about shit show moments, that's probably like a huge one because yeah, I spent a lot of time. My grades at university probably like got influenced a bit because I was concentrating so much on that. And it just kind of went nowhere because I put it out there and everyone was like, what's going on? I don't really know what this is because I didn't, I didn't build them up to expect that sort of thing, you know? So yeah, I think we'll stop. We'll stop with the shit show moments there. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. And, you know, when you have a new idea, it is like kind of our tendency to think, oh, this is amazing. This is going to be incredible. Everyone's Mm. going to love this idea. It's kind of our tendency to kind of go there. But how do we kind of like let go of our ego of like, I think this idea is great and kind of be more realistic about it. If you could walk us through that process Mm. for you. That's a fantastic question. Yeah, there's a big, there's a big sort of, there's a big sort of, I guess, like message out there where a lot of a lot of young founders, especially fall in love with the idea. They're like, this is an incredible idea. It's going to change the world. And it well, it well may do that, right? Like, you don't know what the idea is. So well, may, it well may do that. But firstly, like business is all about execution, right? It's all about like how you can fight how you can match the idea with that market with that with those relevant people that can that will actually buy your product, right? But also, it's also about like, you know, well, actually, to your original question of like how do you stop falling in love with it? You just got to test it as quickly as possible. And because you got you got to think, right? If you get too attached to your idea, it means that you can't iterate it because you're like, I, I don't want it. You can be stubborn around it, right? You don't want to like change whatever is in your mind, your vision, but you're just one person, right? Even if you are the target market for your, for your product, you are just one person. You're not the market. So if you actually go out there and speak to people, they might say, no, this wouldn't work or no, like this isn't for me at this sort of time. No, it's too expensive. No, like all of this stuff. Right. And at first you might think like, Oh, people are hating the idea, but in actual fact, they're actually giving you like pretty valuable feedback. They're giving you honest feedback. Right. Cause all of that stuff that they said, it should feed into that idea that you said and kind of iterate it from there. So if it is too expensive, work out ways that you can kind of reduce the the offering or like focus on the areas that, that address that pain point more, if that makes sense. But like reduce the features because you don't have to address everything. You just have to address the, the pain points that are the most important for that customer, right? So yeah, that's how you shouldn't fall in love with the idea because like you have to remember the fundamentals is that that idea will change. And you have to be open to that. But for Wing, for instance, we started out, we're starting out as like a contactless business card, but a lot of people are saying, mm, we don't, a lot of people don't carry around that business card anymore. So they might say, or like they don't carry around their wallets anymore. Cause like COVID people are like just walking around with like for their phones, phones do everything now. So they're like, if I can find a way for my phone to have this capability, then I'll be happier. So we're thinking of like different ways, maybe something you can stick on the back of your phone or a, or a phone case, something like that, right? That might that might be an easier way. So we had the idea of a contactless business card. And if we kind of stuck to that, we would have kind of shut down all those comments that those people said. When in actual fact, like if we build those products for, for them, they'll buy it and our market increases. So if you fall in love with the idea too much, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot big time because you're kind of restricting how big your idea can actually get in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were going through like that process of testing that idea, is there anything that helped you like kind of let go of like they're being negative towards my idea or this idea isn't going to work or maybe I should just take out this whole thing altogether and just start over? Is there anything that like kind of helped you or with your mentality throughout that whole process? I just feel like you have to be resilient in the fact that people when when people are being negative people are being honest and that's how they would actually interact with your product right like if you want people to say oh it's really good if you want people to always say it's amazing then you're not really cut out for for entrepreneurship because you you're not open to that sort of change right 
So you have to kind of accept, like, for instance, if you have, if you put something like a, if you make like a food, for instance, right, a food product and you put it on the shelf, like a random person that sees that on the shelf, they're not going to think the same as you where it's like, oh, that's amazing packaging or whatever. You might, you might think it's amazing and it might be amazing, but if they kind of walk past it without even looking at it, that should be clear to you that maybe it's not as amazing as you think. And that should actually help you, right? Like if, if, and if you take that on board and you change it, then it obviously improves, right? So I feel like you just have to remind yourself. I always do remind myself because a lot of people are like, no, this idea is like not going to work. It's shit or like this sort of stuff. But, you know, I feel like a billion ideas. So like, there's always ways that you can iterate, right? I just think instead of the idea, you have to have, more of an aim or an ambition so so for wing our idea was a contactless business card right however our overall ambition and aim is to bring networking into the 21st century so to innovate in-person networking so under that obviously in is a contactless business card but it could be anything so like if people are saying no i don't think a card is good then we can just bring it on the phone but we're still you know solving that pain point of in-person networking is really outdated, right? Like people are just like shoved into a room and expected to talk to each other, right? This It's not how it should be with technology. So I feel like pe- people should fixate more on their overall ambition and their vision rather than the actual idea, because that's the reason why you got into it. That's the actual passion. And you might not kind of think about that, but like more more subtly that's what it actually is if you think about it. Like the reason why you started this podcast, right, isn't to talk about like people in their 20s it's more about like trying to make people laugh or trying to inspire people or like trying to you know you have your own vision and motivation behind it right Mm -hmm. so if people are like oh I don't really like it if it's people in it like people under under like over 25 or whatever you'll be like okay cool I can change it because the overall ambition is still the same like I I will still um, inspire people so yeah yeah and like going back to when you're a kid, you're always that kid selling something. Like, where do you think that stemmed from? Or what do you think was the inspiration behind you starting to create these different businesses? Where do you think that all like started for you? Mm, that's a really good question. Well, like I am a uh, like, I don't know what you call it, like a first generation or second Im- Im- like generation immigrant uh, in the UK. But like, obviously my parents moved, moved to the UK from, uh, from the Middle East, from Iran. So like, I say the reason why I was always kind of that, that kid that always tried to do loads of different things, right, is because I saw a lot of my cousins and stuff growing up in Iran. And there was like, the opportunity wasn't there, they couldn't do anything they wanted to do. Like the only the only opportunity for them to do is kind of like their dad to give them a job or like, like there's nothing really to do, even if they wanted to get educated, like there's people with PhDs, there struggling to find jobs, right? Like, because the opportunity isn't there. However, we live in countries, we're lucky enough to live in countries, the UK, the US, Canada, like Western world, where you can literally be whatever you want. Like it's, it's really like people, people forget that it is, it is a real, like real magical thing, I feel, but people kind of don't really appreciate it. But because of my family because I can kind of see my cousins going through a struggle that's why I kind of I've always taken as many opportunities as I can just because I knew I know like in a parallel universe in another life I could have been in Iran where this opportunity wouldn't have been there and it, I, f- I feel like it kind of would be a waste if I didn't take this opportunity to do all these different things and for people listening like that a second generation or first I don't know what the term is but you'll understand what I mean because you see, you see like your parents struggle to get you here and that sort of thing. And it's like, you have to take the opportunity to do different things. And for people who aren't like first generation or second generation immigrants, you can still, you can still realize how lucky you are. You just haven't kind of, you can't, you don't have that personal connection, but you can still kind of see videos on Twitter or Instagram and like people going through struggles and just try to relate to it more and trying to see where you are and like, uh, I guess, like value your position more. Because I feel like people here, a lot of my friends even, don't really value what they have here. And yeah, just being more self-aware and kind of appreciating what you have, like not even just for like startups, but just for mental health, it really does help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, curious, I'm wondering, do you think like that drive that you need in order to be a business owner, in order to deal with all the stuff that comes with being a business owner, do you think that's something that is just in people or do you think that's something that could be created? Mm, that's a good question. Wow, you're very like you're really prepared. <laughs> For me, I when I write interview like entrepreneur, I'm not this prepared. 
we just kind of like jump in you're asking very good questions so can it be are you born with it or can you teach it i think there's elements of it that you can teach and there's elements of it that you're born with so stuff around like i guess being able to speak to people being able to present and that sort of thing there's elements of that way you're born with obviously like people some people like always have always been more confident than other people and stuff like that so but again i know people that are really unconfident growing up and now they're really confident being able to like pitch in front of loads of people there, there are elements that you're born with but I f- i'm not that big believer of you either have it or you don't I, I i am a big believer in that you can work on things practice and stuff like that obviously some people are very very gifted when it comes to numbers some people can't like it doesn't that doesn't make any sense in their mind so maybe maybe there are there are elements of course that you're born with but i feel like overall to the most extent yeah you you can work on things for sure and going back to when you were creating your first company and you were getting these grants and you're, how were you getting those grants? Were you like pitching yourself to different, different investors or what did that process look like for you? And did you know that you could go down that route? Like you could get grants, you could get investors, or you could figure out that way to finance it. Or what was kind of your intro into that? Yeah. I mean, this, this goes back to that thing of like, taking all these different opportunities right like we have this amazing resource the internet where you can search all these different things that are out there you don't have to like the days are, are they they still exist but like to a lesser extent where you have to know someone who knows someone to get that opportunity right like the majority of those opportunities are open to everyone where you can kind of like search them online and then apply to them so there are so many opportunities either run by like governments or charities or uh, universities or schools or like NGOs or like literally there's so many different types of bodies that offer this sort of thing where they they try to get more young people into entrepreneurship or they try to get more like sustainable startups or they try to like give more I don't know like any sort of niche that you can think of there's probably a grant in in that like I know I know a friend of mine that's like building robots right and he just got a grant from this big innovating body to like make these robots that can like paint houses. Right. So there's, that, that's quite like a big niche. So I feel like if you research it enough, there are so many of these opportunities out there where you can kind of like get a grant. Obviously it's hard work to find that, like to apply for it because you have to like pitch, you have to build all the, you have to put all these different things together, maybe like a business plan even, but in most cases it's mainly like, like a two minute pitch. And then like, you answering some questions but like they're definitely worth it because as young people where like we don't we might not have that huge income it you know it's a big stepping stone to being able to like launch your startup so yeah but the only advice i'd give is if you do get that grant is to is to treat that money as if it was your own money i know a lot of founders that have got got big grants and they just like spend stuff willy-nilly like they don't really care about it because they're like well it's not really my money but yeah like and then they just like lose it before they know it so that's a big record that's a bit and I, I did a similar thing right with with this with this website that i built like didn't really think about the cost i just put money to it didn't really think about the value that it would, that, that thing would de- deliver just kind of put that money towards it so yeah there are a lot of grants out there basically and I, I do recommend it especially for young people and is there any like key components you think you did in your two-minute pitch or anything so you were really specific about that you think helped you I think focus less on the tech, like a lot of tech founders, especially. So when people are like very, very techy, they focus too much on the technology side. So if they're building something around like artificial intelligence or blockchain, this might literally, like I know we said like this might change the world. This literally might change the world because even if it's like a a world changing idea, right? But they focus too much on the intricate technological details where the judges themselves don't really care about that stuff. They want to know like how practical it is to be able to like implement it, how how big, you know, the impact can be if it is implemented and that sort of thing. Um, the scalability of it is really important. So yeah, for different ideas, there are different traps that you can fall into. So for, for say, like sustainable ideas, where it's like, I don't know, ideas that are focused on like social goods, which was my previous idea, or even my idea now, because Wing obviously like reduces like tons of paper business cards, right? They focus too much on like the sustainability or ESG element of it rather than 
like the scalability elements of it. Obviously, it's good to spend some time saying like this can really help people's lives. But you have to be able to convince investors that it can grow to this stage where it can not only impact one life, but it can impact like thousands or hundreds of thousands, right? And if you can't demonstrate that, then you're not like a business, you're a charity, which is fine, but don't apply for a a business grant. You see what I mean? So there's different traps that you can fall in, obviously, like some founders talk about themselves too much they don't talk about the idea too much or like they or, or the opposite they don't talk about themselves at all but you know having a good person to drive that team is for some investors equally as important as the idea itself so there's different traps basically you can fall into depending on what your idea and what your business is why why do you think networking appealed to you like why do you think you created an idea around making networking like in this century like what about networking was like I need to like I know I could do something innovative to this well because so during during COVID this whole time of like being locked inside loads of people have done networking events online so they've used platforms such as Hopin or Zoom that we're using now or like Zencaster which I use for my podcasting there's so many platforms out there right mm-hmm. that 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 deal with some element of online networking and and they've exploded obviously during covid right but then you think about in-person networking and it's like it literally hasn't changed for 30 40 100 years like it hasn't changed at all people are still kind of lumped into a room and you're like speak to the relevant person and it's it's like well there could be 100 or 200 people in here how would i like there's different pain points involved in like meeting the relevant person. So like we kind of analyzed that and that our, our ambition was kind of, there must be a better way to kind of meet people in person. And like, we want to fuse the experience of the online networking experience, which has a lot of positives, but obviously the big negative is that you don't have that level of connection with someone unless you meet them in person, which is, you know, a big valid point. It's why loads of people are like, they can't wait to, go outside after COVID's over, right? But like, yeah, confusing that with the with the pain points of in-person. So we kind of analyzed three different pain points is like across three different across three different uh, areas. So it's like before you meet that person, so like how do you meet them? There's during, like as you meet them. Um, and then there's after you meet them. So like how do you follow up and stuff? And like each bit of that area has got pain points to it. So like before you meet them, how do you re- meet the relevant person, right? Like you're in a room with a hundred people. How do you meet someone that you actually have a connection with and like have a vibe with, or like there's someone you want to meet. And then there's the middle bit where it's like, which, which is the area that we're tackling at the moment is how do you best, you know, exchange contact information. And then there's the end bit of like following up with that one person, right? Like a lot of people go to, you know, LinkedIn or stuff like that. But if you, if you use LinkedIn at one in-person networking event, it's like you have 20 connections from that one event who's who like you kind of forget and then you kind of just like forget and they're they're on your connections but you never speak to them again which is a shame so right now we're tackling the 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 middle one where it's like how do you uh, exchange your contact information in the best way possible and a big motivation for us was that bit was like the the worst bit out of all of them for us because we kept getting given like paper business cards from mainly older people right and whenever we'd get them Actually, let me ask you, what's the first thing you do when you get given a paper business card, right? I put it in my purse and then I throw it away after them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You throw it away. And it's like the level of waste is like obscene. Like people, people don't realize like how crazy the waste is, right? Like we, like there's studies out there and like on a usual day where COVID's not about, the equivalent to a thousand trees are being thrown away because of the paper business cards. So you're literally cutting down a thousand trees and just throwing them in the bin and just like forgetting about them. That's it. And it's like, why? Like, like that. And it seems unnecessary. So, but at the same time, you have to be able to exchange contact information in the best way possible. Right. So our card that we have right now tackles that problem with contactless technology. So it uses the same technology as like Apple pay or Google pay, but instead of like payment information, obviously it exchanges your profile. So I could actually show you like right now. So like, this is my phone. Mm -hmm get a card this is a this is my this is the wing card okay. you can literally let me turn the sound on actually it sounds quite nice literally tap it there so then you click it and it comes up with your profile wow. so it, it has like everything so on a paper business card you have your name your phone number your email right pretty much mm-hmm. it has that this profile has that but so much more than that it, it can have your linkedin it can have your whatsapp it can have your instagram 
it can have literally it's limitless it can have your youtube it can have your blog like i have my medium blog here and it just goes to medium straight away like so and then you can just like follow them so it's got like direct links to them and also one cool thing we've just implemented is a add to contacts button so you can like add to contacts and it just comes up with your con- with the contact app pretty cool so it saves a lot of time with like trying to get their phone number and all that stuff and like email and then putting it into your contacts app and also like as you obviously progress as you age as you get more experience you don't need to order like a thousand paper business cards more because your title's changed you can just change your profile on the on the web interface that we have and you're good to go like that's it so you only need to have one card for life forever so yeah that's that's our big selling point is that you just pay it once and that's it forever you don't need to order thousands of paper business cards every time every time like you change job or you change company or like whatever you carry one around you can just change your links. You can change your, obviously your profile to include the new links. So yeah, it's completely customizable in that sense. You can change your themes and stuff like that. And we're adding like more features as well, which is exciting. So yeah, we're really excited by it. Yeah, that's really cool. I didn't know how it works. So that was cool to see how it works. Oh yeah, and no like, one needs an app as well. That's that's a big thing that we get asked is like, do I need an app? And no, no one needs an app to, you don't need an app to make the profile. You don't need an app to receive one. So it's, yeah, you, it's open to everyone. The only thing is that it's only open to phones with uh, like NFC technology, which is most new iPhones and most new, actually most Androids actually. But like we're we're implementing this new thing where it's got a QR code on the card itself. Mm-hmm. So it's engraved on the card. So even if someone's got like an iPhone 4, um, which some people do, then then they can still use your profile, and you don't need to carry around a paper business card. So it'll be it'll be universal when when we get to that that stage. I'm curious because you probably did a lot of testing into hearing like what people do with business cards, how effective they are, should we even have one or not? What's some of that stuff that came up in that testing that maybe you weren't expecting? And what would be your selling point to someone who maybe is you know older, is used to always having that business card? And what would be your selling point to someone like that as well? I think some things that came up were it's quite a big thing to like give away a business card. Like it's kind of like a gift. And especially in say like Japanese culture, right? Like Japan is something is a country that we probably won't even touch because their culture is very ingrained in like receiving a business card. You have to keep it and it's a big gift. But like we're not tackling that problem because they're not throwing away that pay, that, that paper business card. They're, they're keeping it and they're cherishing it. If we were doing the same in like the US and the UK, then like for sure we wouldn't need this solution. The reason why we've we've we have this solution is because paper business cards are really wasteful. And they're kind of outdated. They're not very, they're not very cool. Like a lot of young people don't use them, but they still need to like, you know, exchange contact information, right? But of course, with any sort of technology platform, a lot of pushback comes from sort of, I guess, older demographics where they're kind of used to a certain way of doing things. And that's fine. We're, we're not currently like trying to get them on board, but in the future, we will try to, to some extent uh, with with a fully customizable metal card. So obviously, they have that level of premiumness. But yeah, and and they're giving giving away like a paper business card to create a good first impression. Then you know a laser engraved metal card with their branding on it, with their logo on it, that looks you know way more professional than a paper business card anyway. So I think it might be quite tough to you know persuade them, but with a lot of other tech platforms, they they've done a good job in doing that. So yeah, I think we'll start with like young professionals and then kind of move our way up in that sense. But at the same time, like as a business, you don't need to get everyone involved. You just need to get a solid group of people involved because like as a business, you don't need to literally sell to everyone. You just need to sell to like a group of people that love your product, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious, do you think we, when we have that business card, that paper business card, we kind of have an idea in mind that more people are going to keep it than they actually do or like, yeah, I think I think only like 2% of business cards are kept and like they're actually referred to again because so I mean when you get given a paper business card either you put it in your contact straight away and then you throw it away which is something that we're also trying to tackle where you can take a picture and then it uploads onto your phone automatically. Um so you don't need to like you can just give it back to them if if you're in that case, right? So that, again that reduces the it reduces the time and the waste element of it. If people are interested in that idea then do buy a card because that software will come with that with the card in in the next few months so what was your original question sorry (laughs) (laughs) do you think that we think that more people are going to keep the business card than actually end up keeping the business card yeah maybe i think people are like oh yeah like 
there's no cost for me to give it away, so I might as well do it. But in actual fact, like our card is cheaper than buying paper business cards for the year, right? Like people buy in in blocks of like 200. So over the long run, like ours is actually cheaper because you need to buy like tons of them. But I feel like, yeah, people like you might you might feel like people are going to refer back to it. But in actual fact, like they're th- a lot of them are thrown away. But if you want to make a good impression, uh, this is probably the best way because it's more visual. People can see what you're doing. And like for especially for like graphic designers or like YouTubers or whatever, like we have we're, we're implementing a thing where you can. In, embed photos and videos and stuff so if people go onto your profile they can like, literally play your video or like scroll through your portfolio there and then so so in actual fact the conversion rate of them becoming a client might be higher because they can they can see your profile there and they can see your like portfolio there and then uh, rather than having to go home log onto their computer and then like click like typing in your website manually because it's a paper business card remember and then discovering you so there's a lot more steps involved in the paper business card stuff. So I feel like people think if I hand out more, like the conversion rate, even though it's low, people will write back to me. But we're saying, yeah, that might be true. But with our car, the conversion rate actually goes higher. So you don't need to give out to, you know, infinite amounts of people to get that to get to the same level, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, there's two ways to get clients, right? With, with, pay, with, with a business card is to either try to increase the conversion rate or to just give out more and more. So for us, we're trying to really hone in on that conversion rate element to reduce on the waste. Yeah, and in terms of price point, how much is your your card? So right now it's it's fourteen pound ninety nine. So in dollars, eighteen, seventeen, nineteen, something like that. Nineteen dollars, nineteen US yeah, dollars. Yeah, I think I think so. I think that's like a good uh, the conversion rate. Yeah, but it's like that's one that's a one off payment, and that's for mm-hmm. life. So you don't need to pay any more for that. But like, obviously, we're like, we'll have like more premium features that people can pay for, such as like analytics, if they want to see which link people clicked on, or if they want to have like different, you know, themes, or if they want to like have a picture or a customizable theme themselves with their own branding. Um, Obviously, that'll be a bit extra. But yeah, if, if you want the basic elements of it, it's just £14.99. But it's a lot cheaper than buying paper business yeah, cards, right? Like, I was like, that could easily be hundreds of dollars for one Yeah, time. exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing as well, because we're a new business. And I guess to your listeners, like if they listen now, now's the best time to buy it because like we're testing it out. So obviously our price is like the lowest it's ever going to be because we just want to get, we want to get people on board to basically give, give us their true ideas of what, like how they think it's going to be. And, you know, we have a launch group at the moment, which is really cool. So it's like people, so we have like a few people in the launch group at the moment. So these are people that have bought cards and they're like suggesting ideas and we've already built in a lot of the ideas that they've suggested to us. So the add to contacts button that I showed you was an idea from someone in our launch room. They said, mm-hmm. oh yeah, it would be good if I want that button for myself. And we're like, okay, cool. We'll build it in for you. So this is quite a unique opportunity for anyone listening where if you buy a card, you can actually build the business yourself. You can actually like give us ideas and we'll build it for you. And you can have like, you know, first, first access to that because we're all about like trying to help you guys in the end so it's not like about money for us it's more about like trying to help you guys and obviously like as things are opening up as covid goes down the card will really come to us to its own use where people can obviously use it more which is really exciting as well but like for any entrepreneurs listening building that launch group is really important because obviously you get loads of great ideas not just from your founding group but just from people like actually using your product which is really important right yeah so these are people that actually that actually paid mm-hmm. I'd love to go into your podcast and the inspiration behind it and how your podcast came to be. Yeah, sure. So I started a podcast actually the same time as you, which is, you know, everyone, everyone, I feel like everyone started a podcast there Um, in April, 2020. Yeah. Like when, when COVID first started. Yeah. I, I saw a lot of entrepreneurship podcasts out there where they were kind of just like giving a spotlight to like middle-aged white men for people like my age and your age to kind of relate to. And these are people that got rich in the very early days of the internet where like they just put something out there where it was kind of basic, but obviously like the internet was growing massively fast. So, but a lot of the things that they did, you can't do now. You see what I mean? So I saw that and I was like, there isn't really a podcast out there for young entrepreneurs and, you know, giving a platform to young entrepreneurs where, and also young entrepreneurs of, every color and like background and 
you know, everything really showing that entrepreneurship doesn't discriminate and you can kind of, you know, anyone can, can be an entrepreneur basically. So that's why I started the podcast basically. And it's been pretty good. It's called the millennial entrepreneur. And we've had guests that are like Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneurs. We've had, you know, TEDx speakers, uh, the youngest ever person to get investments on Dragon's Den, which is the UK equivalent of Shark Tank. And yeah, it's just been really cool. So obviously, and obviously like giving a platform to, you know, diverse speakers to really inspire the next generation of entrepreneurs to show that, you know, anyone can get into it. And so they, they come in and give their honest view of what entrepreneurship is and what entrepreneurship should be. Nothing fake or like we're not trying to promote toxic stuff because I know there's a lot of toxic stuff in the entrepreneurship space, especially for young people. So a lot of my guests come on and they're very honest. They're very, you know, they give their take on it. Uh, a lot of them are honest with their mental health side as well, which is really nice to see. It's not something that's really talked about from the entrepreneurship space, especially like people who have like won Forbes 30 and 30, right? You, you, they've won all these different awards and they come on and they speak about mental health and it's, it's so refreshing. So if anyone's like thinking of checking out the podcast, it's on obviously like all platforms and it's on YouTube as well. It's called the, the Millennial Entrepreneur. So yeah, do check it out. It's been featured on like BBC uh, and then like a few other places as well, like Founders Forum, which you won't know. The only one you'll know in the US is BBC, obviously. <laughs> oh, well, that's so cool. And it, I know it's hard to like, if you have to pick the top five interviews, it's always hard to try to pick, you know, the top people. But <laughs> I'm going to make you try to pick the top five interviews. And top if, five? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I think... I think I'll start like from the five. I'll start my first ever interview just because it was really rubbish. I know it's like not really like what you want to hear, but it taught me personally. It taught me a lot about interviewing someone and just speaking in front of a microphone as I, I, I'm sure like you went through a similar experience. Right. So I really liked that interview. And then I guess actually picking real ones that I, that was actually enjoyable for me. I'd probably pick, Oh God, I'm not going to do it in any particular order because mm-hmm. I feel like they, they're good for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So I guess the fourth one would be, I, I interviewed this woman called Stephanie Sword Williams and she she's a Forbes 30 entrepreneur. And the reason why I, I loved having her on is because she's one of these like, like super women. She's like one of these like absolutely amazing like women entrepreneurs where she quit her job with like nothing really. Like she just quit her job because she didn't like the sort of culture of that job. And then like pretty much within a year, she like was featured on like loads of different newspapers and stuff like trying to promote women to speak up more in in workplaces and stuff like that really kind of you know promoting women empowerment and stuff like that and and yeah then she and now she's now she's written a book and she's like done loads of talks um obviously like TEDx is one of them but she's done loads of talks with like big brands such as like Puma and and like other brands to try to get more try to get like more female empowerment in in those big corporates which is really cool to see so i really enjoyed that one i can't i can't remember any of these numbers by the way so that's quite bad it's it's one of the 30s i think i don't know i can't remember but you just scroll through you'll see stephanie sword williams there's one very early episode episode number eight or around then it's with someone who is is converting shit <laughs> like human poo into electricity which is like mental like that's he, that's that's actually like game changing right like and he's and he's just like putting it in in like african villages to basically so whenever the, like the village goes for a shit it it fuels like their electricity and they can use that to like cook food with and stuff like that and like that's and like you know like their houses and stuff so that's like that's amazing i love that so how many more have i got, I got three more i really loved having that dragon's den entrepreneur on so he got he was the youngest ever to get investment on dragon's den shark tank in the u.s he he was 15 at the time his name is Armenda Singh Dillon. And you got three dragons or sharks involved, which is like pretty crazy as well. But I liked having him on because it was a t- it's a TV show I've been watching for a number of years. And it's quite cool to see like the behind the scenes of like what it's actually like and also what the dragons are like behind the scenes. So that's pretty cool. Um, that's episode number 12, 13, one of them. God, it's like when you do so many, you kind of like forget the numbers. And let me think what... I have to check my phone. I swear, like what other what other episodes I've done? Like, yeah, a lot of them are really good. Oh, I had one with this woman called Sonia Barlow. He, she was she really opened my eyes because she's one of these women that has won loads and loads of awards. Like she's she's been in so many newspapers and stuff like that. And I'm one of those people that 
I have a bad habit of comparing myself to other people, really negative traits that like, if anyone listening is, you know what I mean? And it's like not very good. And like, obviously I'm working on it and a lot of people, you should be working on it because it's not good at all. So I would see her and I see all these different awards that she's won and sort of how hard she's working and stuff like that. And I was like, like this woman, like I would love to be like her, which is really negative. You shouldn't think like that. But she came on my podcast and she was like, yeah, I don't really enjoy what I do. This is really like difficult for me. And it's like, it gave me so much perspective. Like I, I've seen her in the best light, like not in the most realistic lights in the best light where it's just not realistic. Right. So I, you know, it's not good because, you know, that might have affected my mental health. And then she came on and really was really honest about how she felt. So that was really eye opening for me. And I, I, I loved having her on Sonia Barlow in the twenties, I, I believe one of the episodes. And as for the last one, uh, I had a YouTuber on, which I really enjoyed as well. It's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a platform that I know a lot of people, you know, I feel like pe- a lot of people see YouTube as a platform where they can make really easy money. And maybe it was like that back in the day. I'm not sure. But this guy came on, his name's Ben Levitt. And he basically talked about like, he's got like 60K subscribers on YouTube and he makes like good money from it. And he was saying how he basically broke down very structurally how to how to grow on YouTube, how to monetize on YouTube. And it wasn't one of these things of like, just put more content out there or like just like one of those cliches that you hear. It was like, it was very methodical. It was very step-by-step. So for anyone that wants to get into YouTube, that's a really great episode to to listen to. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. And uh, he was one of those people that I watched his YouTube before I got into podcasting. And he's he's got a video on how to start a podcast. And I watched it a number of times before I started. So for me to have him actually on my podcast after I started was was a bit surreal because it was like, you're the reason, like half, you're, you're a bit of the reason why I started my podcast in the first place, which is kind of mental to think. So yeah, those are my five. Mm. Well, what are some of the top lessons you've learned from doing the podcast? Top lessons. Oh, wow. There's so many because it's really taught me how to speak. (laughs) I know it's like a basic thing, but speaking with, I guess, conviction and speaking confidently, massive, massive, massive skill. And being a podcaster really helps that because obviously, you know how difficult it is to edit and you see like loads of errs or ums and you're like oh for god's sake like it's really annoying you see you see there's like little speech like yeah whatever and you're like oh i just have to like edit this out so when you become a podcaster you become kind of really conscious that every word that you say right you see you're very conscious about it so and it's good because it, it comes across as really confident and stuff like that and so that is really you know translated into other elements of my life so you know pitching for for funding or you know, trying to sell my, my podcast to sponsors or trying to sell my, my, my products to, to businesses and stuff like that. So yeah, all of those things, like they're really related and trying to become a, a people person and try to connect with someone because I had it before where I had a guest on my podcast where they just have low energy and it's like, not, it's not that great. And it's very easy for you to kind of, as a person to just go onto their energy level it's easier for someone to go down energy than to go up energy, right? And so that's why like when you're around people that are like very low energy, you become low energy yourself. You're, it's, it's kind of scary like how much you're influenced by the people around you. And so I, I now try massively, if I, if I sense that sort of vibe and energy, I'm like, let me try bring everyone up rather than them bringing me down. And podcasting definitely helps that because you're like, if, it, if the episode is low energy, people won't like it. So yeah. I think, I mean, you must have had that experience as well, right? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> a couple yeah, times. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Don't name any names, but it no, definitely not going happened. To. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I'd love to go um, into a couple final questions with you. So I'd love to know, like, what's something right now that you're really excited about? Uh, <laughs> blogging and wing. So I've, I do a lot, I do a lot of blogging at the moment. I had someone on my podcast that talked about medium. So like mediums, like the big blogging platform out there and he's making three grand, like 3000 pounds a month on medium. He's quit his job to write full time. And by the way, that 3000 pound figure, I, I'm not like, he said that on my podcast. It's not like now sharing any like uh, confidential stuff so yeah he's he's making that level of money and he's quit his job to do it full-time and it's really cool because obviously with blogging you can literally do it anywhere you can like 
I could do it in LA. I could fly to like wherever to do it. And it's still like bringing in like good, good income. So I'm loving blogging at the moment. I'm really, I've just started it. So I haven't made like tons of money. Like my, my last month was a good month for me. I made like a hundred dollars, which was, which is really good for me. Right. So I want to get to that stage where I maybe like half of what he makes and I'll be really happy because yeah, I really, it's a really fun thing to do is blogging and like, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so I'm really excited about that because my, my writing skills have really gone up, uh, since I've started and also wing because we're not, we don't want to just stop at, at business cards. As I said, there's, there's, there's two other sections that we want to tackle. And I don't want to go into too much detail of like how we're going to try to tackle it, but like if you do want to get involved obviously buy a car join our launch group and then we can you know talk through different ways that we can really change the way that people network in real life but yeah we want to be that technology where it helps people connect with other people create meaningful connections as well where people come away and they're like wow like i know exactly how to catch up with this one person and like yeah it really it really creates that meaningful conversation afterwards i feel like we we're in a position now where we're getting good sales which is really which is really good because we know that people are enjoying the product which is which is amazing and we feel like with this community that we're building hopefully you know we can really take the friction out of in-person networking where we don't want everyone to go to LinkedIn and then forget about people. We want people to actually like see, Oh, I caught, I saw this per I met with this person like at this event. Let me catch up with them now. And it's a lot easier. You know, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Rather than like having to be more sort of, I guess, deploy more energy in, into orders, like meet people. So yeah, I'm really excited what we can do with wing. It's not just a contactless business card. We want to be more of an overarching software where it really helps people connect. What is something that most people don't know about you? Wow, uh, tough question. I'm very like honest and open about stuff. I do a lot of talks about mental health in startups to like young people. Not many people know know too much about that because I, I, I tell people, obviously I do talks talking about startups and stuff, but if anything, the majority of it is about like mental health and startups because a lot of information out there is not real about entrepreneurship a lot of the stuff around like i want to be a millionaire by the age of 30 and this is the best way to do it or like idolizing people that are just like you shouldn't idolize and stuff like that so i actually spend a lot of my time doing those talks for free and like spending a lot of time with these young founders working through their businesses trying to work out like the best way for them best way for me to help them and stuff like that because yeah i do feel bad for a lot of young people now massively because even though i'm quite young myself i'm 23 i see a lot of like teenagers that love entrepreneurship and they're getting younger and younger, like wanting to go into entrepreneurship. And it's like, there's a lot of bad information out there. And I've seen a lot of people spend a lot of money on like really like shit courses. And it's like, I know there's a lot of exploitation, exploitation out there. Like for instance, I had one woman, she followed me on Instagram and she basically like gave me a message and she was like, Hey, I'd love to help you like grow your Instagram following. And I've got like a really good course behind it. And like over 30 days, your Instagram will grow like to 10,000 or whatever. I was like, okay, wow, let me see the course. And the course was like a thousand dollars, something like that. And then I look at her following and it's like, she's got less than me. I'm like, how can you justify this in your mind? But that's the thing. I've got a lot of clarity in my mind where I know like she's obviously bullshitting, but a lot of young people, obviously they're more innocent. They're, they're like, oh, she, maybe she means it. So that's why I feel like it's kind of like my duty and a lot of other people's duties where they, they want to, they, they're willing to put in time for young people where you have to tell them that there's a lot of fake stuff out there. And you have to tell them like all the stuff around Silicon Valley or like the, or, or on the news where you're like, you know, this, this company raised this amount of money. You can really much, you can, you can, you know, really start your business for a, a, a little amount of money, right? Like we started wing for like 300 pounds, right? Like what's that in dollars? Like maybe 450, like $500, which isn't like tons. Um, like I worked a part-time job, got a bit of money to start this, right? So yeah, it's not, you don't have to raise, you know, millions of dollars to start a business. It is very accessible nowadays because you can, like for us, we started with a software competitor to Linktree to basically, to, and, and we didn't have a website at that stage. We were just selling on Instagram. People would message us and be like, hey, can I buy a card? And we're like, mm, what, you're comfortable like paying on Instagram? And he's like, oh yeah, just send me your PayPal. I was like, okay. So we're just selling on Instagram, which is so weird. And that's the thing as well is like, people don't really think, people think, you have to have a website and it needs to look professional and it needs to have all these buttons and it needs to, your Instagram needs to have thousands of followers and all this stuff. And it's like, that's the finished product. You're not at that stage yet. Actually break down those steps. And it's like, so you want people to come to your website. Okay. What happens next? Oh, people scroll through our products. Okay. 
and then people buy it. Then people press a button and then they buy it and we ship it to them. Okay, so you can basically achieve what you want to do with just a buy button and then a couple of images, which you can just put on Instagram, right? So like, it's definitely doable to break down these different businesses and to achieve it in a very cheap way. So for us, like we only need to buy the cards and the chips, put a bit of money behind marketing. And that was it really. We were happy. So your original question was about like what people don't really know about me, which is the stuff around like helping young people around mental health and startups. But yeah, I talked about something else. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a final question for you. If you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, what advice would you give him? Or if you don't want to talk to him, if you just want to hug him, it's up to you. But I just want you to imagine you're at the table with your 20 year old self. And what would you want to do? Mm, just don't stress out about like everything i would stress out about so many things like mainly around uncertainty about the future it's like what am i going to do who am i going to be like what relationships am i going to have in the future or like i don't know i need to get i need to you know build this level of income for myself at 30 i was one of those people that set that, that sort of goal by the way not i don't not anymore but it's not worth it it's really not worth it because if you become a millionaire by 30, like, what? what's your next goal? Like, become a multimillionaire by the age of 40. Like, why Why not just become a millionaire whenever it happens or, like, whenever it doesn't happen? Like, it's not the source of happiness, you know what I mean? It's not like if you reach that goal, you'll become happy. It's like, no, there's so many other details that you should care about. So for me, it's like, don't don't stress too much about these small things that literally don't matter. Like, I, I was told this thing where it's like, my granddad actually was like if if something doesn't matter in like a year's time don't stress about it or like even two years time it doesn't don't stress about it now so when you like have an argument with like your mom or like your boyfriend or girlfriend or like literally anyone and you're like crying or like getting really stressed out it's like it's, it's literally not worth it it really isn't worth it because like you'll forget about it in two months time let alone in two years right so mm-hmm. don't let those things get to you it's not good for you it's not good for your for your well-being it's not good for your life it's not good for your health yeah so ever since i kind of tried to let things go that really don't really that don't really matter to me you do become a happier person for sure and then and then you can kind of set those goals aside where like you can set more realistic goals and stop comparing yourself to people on instagram and all of that stuff like your life gets a lot more clarity involved which is really good so the younger you can get that clarity, the better. Some people discover it when they're teenagers. Some people discover it when they're 60 years old. Some people never discover it, like, unfortunately. But the younger you can discover it, the better you, you, know, the better you can live your, live your life. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. It's my pleasure. It's so much fun. I don't know how much of a shit show in my 20s it is. I've only just started my 20s pretty much. But I've made a lot of mistakes, I guess, like with with my first business, especially spend a lot of money and that website's still live. No one uses it. So it's like <laughs> spent about three grand on that one website. It's like, wow, shouldn't have done that. Where can we find you online? Well, if anyone wants to check out wing, the wing card, the, my lighting's really bad. Sorry <laughs> about that. If anyone wants to check out wing, you can just, it's our website is wingcards.io. Uh, our Instagram is the same. So if you want to check out there, if you want to check out my podcast, the millennial entrepreneur, you can check out on Instagram as well, the millennial entrepreneur pod, or it's on Apple podcast, Spotify and YouTube. So it's like everywhere there. Um, if you want to check me out, you can go on LinkedIn I, and add me, send me a message, whatever you want. And I'll get back to you. And yeah, that's it really. If you want to check out my blog as well, it's just like Cena blog and, and on medium, you can read some stuff there. If you, if you want, if you're a big reader, I don't think many people are like big readers, but I don't know. You never know. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.